Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to carry on from where I left off last week. We're speaking about living a naturally supernatural life. Engaging with God in, in a wonderful way means that whenever we have an engagement with God, we engage with an omnipotent, omniscient God. Which means that every encounter with God is a power encounter. Amen? And why are we talking about this? Because we're, we're in a time where I believe the Lord is arresting our hearts and bringing our attention back to the centrality of the gospel message. The gospel of our of the kingdom of God in which is our salvation, in which is life, in which is the power and the presence of His Holy Spirit, in which is His, His, His grace and His provision for every single one of us. But the reason we're, we're rediscovering this message of the gospel is not so that we can just enjoy it for ourselves, but to capture again the heart of God that this gospel is for all those who have not yet received Salvation through Jesus Christ. The Church of Jesus Christ is the only organization in the world which exists entirely for the benefit of its non-members. We're not here for ourselves. The reason we are here on a Sunday morning and we gather together in groups and we pray together is so that we together, in worshiping and praising our God, can be equipped with His presence, with knowledge, to go out and share this message to share this message through works through deeds but also through speaking much of understanding kingdom life over the past you know maybe 15 years as, as i've heard this message unpacked in many different ways in many different settings one of the things i'm often confronted by is the idea that we can do kingdom works like feeding the poor and clothing the poor and helping the poor. Would you agree that these are works of the kingdom? How? Okay, good. I would agree with you there too. But would you also agree with me that we can do these works apart from the kingdom? That there are other organizations out there that are doing an incredible job of this. I think one of the most influential organizations in our country is a country called Gift of the Givers. Yeah. And they do incredible work. And they're a Muslim organization. They're partnering with anybody. Anybody who wants to do good, they've got a very broad heart. But we need to understand that the kingdom without the king is just dumb. <laughs> and so we, we can go into situations, but what I really am praying that each one of us catch an awareness of is that within us abides this glorious Almighty God. And then when He sends us into situations, He's looking for us, yes, to do works of goodness and kindness that speak of and demonstrate His love. But there's a threshold many of us get stuck behind. And that is the threshold of actually telling people about the love of Jesus for them. That God loves them. That He sees them. That they are precious in His sight. That he has a plan for, their, for them and for their lives. It's not enough to just 
show people kindness. Because people will graciously receive it. But God has called us to go into all the world and to preach. To preach. What does that mean? To proclaim. To declare with words. <laughs> and not just deeds. That's where I want to start. I want you to understand that this is something that's burning in my heart right now. Something I'm being challenged by. But something I believe that God is really wanting to revive in our spiritual family. You know, I was... In, in preparation for this morning, I was looking at, at some things. Did you know that, that on the way up to Everest Mountain, there's four camps that you have, would go through. You would, you would land somewhere in Nepal, and you would go to a camp, and you would acclimatize. And you would go to another level, and you would acclimatize. And you would go to another... I want to say, folks, we've been camping at a level that we have been acclimatized at for a long time. we become acclimatized to a certain way of doing Christianity. But that does not mean we've scaled the mountain that God has given us. We're camping. And we're comfortable. And we're blessed. And God still loves us. <laughs> but there is something within the Spirit of God that would love to say to you this morning, there is so much more I have for you. And so much more I desire to do through you. That things that you cannot do by yourself. It's, it's amazing that some people, when they, they get up to the higher heights, they need oxygen. They can no longer breathe by themselves. They have Sherpas to carry their, their, their things because they can't carry them by themselves. That's not really where I wanted to go, but I was reminded of it, so I thought I'd mention it. I want to just do some recapping of some of the statements we made last week so that we can flow from there. It's good that we have a realization that since the inception of creation, God has never, ever done anything supernatural. It's all very natural to Him. God is a supernatural being. And that's the most natural thing for him to do. You see, when God begins to speak into situations, or things begin to happen and things begin to change. And you and I have been created in the image of God. Now, granted, we are not supernatural beings. But we are spirit beings. You see, many of us and many of the world out there believe that they are human beings that are trying to have a spiritual experience. Whereas, in fact, we are created spirit beings in the image of God who have a soul and who have been lived and placed and, and, and in, in, enrobed in this body that we may have a human experience of bringing this kingdom and these realities of God's spiritual realm of heaven into this natural world. And this means that spiritual things should also be natural to us. We cannot live a naturally supernatural life unless... The, the things of the supernatural, the things of God, the things of His potential and His power and what He is able to do become natural to us. They become a part of who we are. We've just spoken about the tithes this morning and our trust in God as a supernatural provider. That's just one example. We sung this morning out of Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals supernaturally all our diseases. Who delivers supernaturally our lives from destruction. Who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who renews our youth like the eagles. Are these physical things or are these spiritual things? These are spiritual things. But do they have a natural outworking in our lives? They ought to. They ought to. 
You see, not only does God, can God do everything or anything, God also knows everything. And the Bible says to you and I in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, that we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been given to us freely by God. So there's this desire in the heart of God that this realm of Him, of His power, of His grace and anointing become revelation to us that we may walk in it and experience it in our daily lives. You see, God is always up to something. Makes Him sound mischievous. He's not. He's God. He's up to something. The question is, what is He doing in the lives of those around you? And are you willing to partner with Him? Responsibility concerning this wonderful gospel, this message, the role that, that God has called us to play and to bear has to do more than anything with our response to His ability. Kingdom responsibility has everything to do with our response to His ability. Did you get that? It's not a responsibility that we can just take on and go. When Moses did that, he made a mess. He drove a spear through somebody and, and he had to spend 40 years in the backside of the desert running away from, them, from, from that. But when we take on this and we say, Lord Jesus, there is this responsibility that you have given to us as your people to share this gospel news... The way, only way we can truly do that is to respond rightly to His ability that enables us to do it. You and I do not have the power to heal anyone. We do not have the power to save anyone. We do not have the ability on God's behalf to, to just forgive unless we be sent by Him and we go in His name. Because the Bible, Jesus sends His disciples out and He says, Go, you forgive anybody, they'll be forgiven. You go pray for the sick and they'll be healed. You preach this message and everyone who believes will be saved. In other words, I, if you go and do what I'm asking you to do, I will back you with who I am. Do you believe that this morning? You see, if God knows everything and can do everything, then what ought our response to be? Throwing up our hands and saying, well, God is sovereign. If He can do anything He wants to, then let Him do it. Well, that kind of demonstrates a lack of understanding of how it is that God has chosen to work and how he longs to co-labor with you and I for his glory and for our blessing. Let me read to you a verse of scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 20. It says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry. It could be a local ministry. It could be an international ministry. I don't know what your ministry is. But it, what, what, the word ministry simply means to serve. To serve God and to serve others in this ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling the world to the Father. That is, Christ was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. You see, although God can just come in and do whatever He wants to, He is God, He is sovereign, He has chosen to partner with you and I. And folks, that is an awesome privilege. That is an awesome privilege. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God. (coughs) You see, there is a pervasive false humility that gets us satisfied with less than God's full plan for us. Oh, I can't do that. That's for those special people, those anointed people, those who get paid to do it, those who carry some great um, gifting or title. But when this happens, we begin to find ourselves thinking that I know God is powerful and I know God can do everything, but I'm just not so sure He can do it through me. That's for them. Anybody felt that way? If you do, I'll say to you, Hello, Moses. Hello, Esther. Hello, Gideon. Hello, Mary. Every one of whom struggled with the exact same thing. Let's not be super spiritual and think we don't struggle with it. We do. We are so aware of our inabilities. But what we're unaware of is the degree to which we are truly dependent on God and how He sustains us. Folks, would you hold your breath for me, please? Go breathe in. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. Breathe out. Don't breathe in. I want you to know your very next breath is a gift from God. You are dependent on God right now for your very next breath. If He doesn't grant it to you, it's nice knowing you. Everyone still with me? That was good. We are utterly dependent on God for the very air we breathe, and yet He provides that for us freely. The Bible says that God pours His blessings on the just and on the unjust. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. He is a wonderful provider and a wonderful sustainer and a wonderful Father. But there are many more things that He wants to call us into. There is not a man or woman of faith whom God has used that has not felt at some way or at some point in their lives that yes, God can do everything and God can do anything. I know that He can, but through me, I'm not so sure. And I think everyone, if we go and read Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 12 of the, of the, 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 the and, and Hebrews 11 and 12 of the, what do they call it, the Hall of Fame of the faith, every one of them struggled. Every one of them had to grapple with this reality. But one thing they did is that they were willing to trust God despite feeling they were unworthy or, un, or incapable. God has a vision for your life that is beyond what you can achieve on your own. He designed it that way. He set it up that way because He wants to come and be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of what He is doing and He wants to be involved with what you are doing. The question is, are we willing to follow Him into it, trusting that He will be faithful to His promises? And this is the essence. You see, of this gospel of salvation, where you and I have come, we have literally placed our entire eternity into His hands to say, I trust you. 
Are we willing to place today in His hands and say, I trust you? Are we willing to place that person in His hands and say, Lord, I'm praying for that person's salvation. I trust you. I'm praying for this person's healing. I trust you. See, God's plan for you is not merely to bless you so that you can become a faithful attendee of church meetings. John 10 verse 10 does not say, I have come that you may have meetings and have them more abundantly. John 10 verse 10 says, I have come that you may have life. Life. Vitality. And to have life more abundantly. More abundantly than just living for your own existence. There's, there's a life that God longs to make come alive in us that is beyond just meeting our needs and, and being self-satisfied. That His life laid down and given for you and I may work and be expressed in and through our lives as we lay down our lives and are given to Him. There is only one way, folks, that you and I can experience this life. Only one way. That we can enter into this life, that we can engage with this life, and that we can experience this life on the daily. This naturally supernatural life. And that is by laying down our lives. That is the only way. Jesus, speaking in John 12, 24 to 25, or 26, I'll read to you from the message translation, says this, Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. If any of you wants to serve me and follow me, sorry, if any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Tony Fitzgerald has a phrase that I love. He says, in order to be an effective kingdom ambassador for Christ, we don't, we don't have to cross the seas. We just need to see the cross. This glorious life lays on the other side of a life laid down. And this life laid down is a decision that we make once and for all. And yes, it's costly. Yes, it's costly. It's going to cost you. Cost, it costs us our will. It costs us our preferences and our desires. It costs us our convenience. <laughs> but what we gain is so much greater than anything we could imagine that it's absolutely worth it. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's incredible. Absolute confidence in Him relieves us of the need to have confidence in ourselves. Have any of you heard of the little book called The Calvary Road by someone called Roy Hessian? Make a note of it. It's actually freely available on the web. You can just go and search The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian and it's there in PDF format. You can download it. It's a small book. It's not, it's not a, a, a long thing to read. But for me, it's been something that again and again has brought me back to the realities of this position that God has called us to in front of the cross. I want to read to you something that he writes in his, in his book in the very first chapter. He says this, You see, the only life that pleases God and that can be victorious 
is His life. Never our life, no matter how hard we try. But in as much as our self-centered life is the exact opposite of His, we can never be filled with His life unless we are prepared for God to bring our life constantly to death. Isn't that what we want? His life. His power at work. His grace at work in our situation. Setting us free from the stuff that holds us back. The stuff that we struggle with. But also sets us free to be loved to others. You see, the wonderful picture is that Jesus, Psalm 23 language, says, I have prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And I invite you to come and to feast at this table. Have you tasted my joy? It is scrumptious. How about my mercy? Have you ever had anything more succulent and delicious? How about my failure? Have you tasted my favor all day? Those two guys need to go together. Huh? <laughs> There's this feast that God calls us to come and to eat richly and to be filled and to be satisfied so that we, in turn, are empowered to go out and to share what we have received with others. I said it last week. You don't need to be, have, have a third year or a, or a bachelor's degree in theology. You don't need to have gone through Bible school to disciple and to reach out and to preach to somebody else. All you need to be is one step ahead of them. That's all. Just one step ahead. If you know something, you have something to share. If you know Jesus loves you and you know that Jesus loves them, you've got something to share. If you know He died for them, you've got something to share. We've got something to give. If you know Jesus heals, you've got something to give. Jesus says, John 7, 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do we really believe? I want rivers. Now generally a river doesn't just start with a whoosh. Sometimes it does. But generally it starts with a trickle. It starts with a little bit that begins to flow and begins to flow and gains momentum. I want to say to you today, this is not something, this, this, this call to reach out, this call to share the gospel, this call to, to, to love others enough to tell them the truth is not something we can simply just add to our lives. And that's the thing I'm really wanting to communicate today. I'm not teaching you something and we're not on this journey so that, okay, we can add this to our lives, carry on as we are, but just kind of stick this on and everything will be okay. This is why we struggle to adopt the mindset of evangelism, the mindset of sharing the gospel, because it's something we try to just add to our lives. This is not something we can just add. It's something we give and commit our lives to as we yield to the one who leads us in it. This is not something we add to our lives. This is a way of life. This is a brand new priority that we choose and we decide to say, hang on, Father God, the people around me in my workplace are more important than the job. The people around me in my college are more important than my grade. The job's important. Grades are important. The Bible doesn't say seek only the kingdom of God, but it does say seek first the kingdom of God. It's a new frame of mind that needs to be both received 
that we need to receive and that becomes a conduit through which God can work. Matthew 9, 16 to 17, Jesus talking about this kingdom life says to him, No one can stick in pieces of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. You can't just add kingdom life and supernatural realities to something that is not supernatural. It can't handle the tension. Likewise, he says, do they not put new wine into old, old wineskins? If they do, the wineskins will break, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Because as the wine begins to bubble and ferment, it causes the pressure inside. And a new wineskin still has the flexibility to handle that pressure. But an old wineskin doesn't. And the sad thing is, not only is the wine spilled, but the wine skin itself is torn. It's broken. Too many Christian lives have become torn and broken because of an unwillingness to yield to what God has been wanting to do in and through their lives. This message of rediscovering the gospel has to do with more than just telling people about Jesus. That's the essence of it. But the power of that message is contained within our hearts when we believe it enough to believe that it is powerful enough and true enough to share it. Not as an act of duty, but as an overflow of sincere love from a realization of what Jesus has really done. Of what the Christ is really all about. And when I'm willing to embrace that to the point where that becomes the most important thing, then I become a conduit through which God can work. I want to just close with a testimony. I think I told it very briefly a couple of weeks ago. I have other things to share, but I'm reminded of this. And so I want to just share with you, just through this testimony, how God worked in three different occasions to release something. And this testimony is the testimony of God's kindness and His love. It begins with my freezer, which a few weeks ago packed up uh, it seemed like there were ants underneath my little chest freezer. And um, to see what was going on, I tilted the freezer to see, and there were indeed ants. But as I tilted it, the compressor was put off balance and sort of seized. And I put the freezer down and thought, oh no, what have I done? And so anyways, the rest of the day, the freezer didn't work. Went and checked on it a few times. Later that afternoon, after our guests left, I opened up the side. I looked, I, I don't know what I'm looking for, but... I can't fix this thing and I can't get it. That night, I go lock the garage. My wife says, is the freezer working? I said, I said no, I've tried everything. I, I don't know how to get this thing to work. I haven't prayed for it, though. And then, that was that. And then, as I'm going to bed, I'm thinking, those words came back to me. It may seem very silly. I agree with you, it does sound silly. But I thought, let me go pray for my freezer. So I'll go, unlock my garage, went into the freezer. Father, please heal my, be healed. Be fixed, be restored. To which I stand back going, okay, you really don't know what you're doing and you are a bit of a twit. And so, as I'm standing there looking at this thing, I said, Father God, I don't know what to do here, but I'm just your son and I need your help and I'm asking you, I don't know what to do here, but can you please make my freezer work? And I went like this. And as I went like that, it went, and it sprung into life. I kid you not. 
I am not telling you this because I want to come and heal your appliances. Please don't call me. Speak to God. He heals appliances. Okay. But now here's, here's where the story gets interesting. So I burst out laughing, of course. I think this is hilarious. I go inside. I tell Helen. She's laughing. And my freezer is still working. So praise God. What does that have to do with the kingdom and salvation? Nothing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But God makes freezers work. Okay. About three days later, or two days later, I get a call from my sister, uh, who, who basically says this, this, this person in her life, somebody she, she knows and is working with, whose, whose daughter is in a bad situation in hospital. She had some kind of seizure. Somebody gave her CBD oil or hemp oil, thinking that would help, and she's gone completely non-responsive. And it's been days. And so I said, all right, I'll pray. And I hung up the phone. And I start praying for this little, this little girl. And um, I said, Lord, would you please heal her? And as I'm praying, I realize, you're the God who, who heals freezers. You certainly care about this little girl more than a freezer. So... I phoned my sister back. I said, please give me the details of where she is. I just feel I need to go and pray for this little girl. Uh, that's what I felt. I, if I'm willing to go and lay hands on my freezer for myself, the least you can do is get off your backside and go and pray for somebody else. Long story short, I did. I went to pray for this little girl who had spoken, who was mostly unresponsive for a few days. I had to you know, work through security because I was out of, out of, out of visiting hours. Um, and so there I am, and as I start praying, I think the physician didn't li- like my presence all that much. So I start praying for the little girl, and then she comes over, and anyways, I kind of round up my prayer, and I stand back, and the physician's, the little girl's hands are all taped up because she's got a pipe going in through her nose into her stomach to feed her because she's not eating, and she wants to pull it out. So her hands are taped up. She's lying there, and uh, she hasn't spoken in days. And so the physician says, are we going to take this out? And mom says, I'll buy you Smarties if you, if you, if you say Smarties. She says, Lady says, yeah, you've got to talk to her. If you talk, then we'll take it out. If you ask, and if you're going to eat, then we'll take it out. And mom says, okay, I'll buy you Smarties, but you have to say Smarties. So she looks at her mom and says, Smarties. The physician looks at the mom, and the mom looks at the physician, and they both look at the little girl, and the physician goes to the little girl and says, Trying not to, trying to, trying to act manly and macho, and as though this is exactly what was supposed to happen. But there was, an, there was a breakthrough in that moment of restoration in that little girl's condition. And God did that. But the story doesn't end there. I praise God. I go home. There's, if I can play it for you. She, she said, she sent my sister a message. She didn't know that I was her brother and said, uh, I don't know who that was who sent. I don't, I don't know who that was who sent. And I don't know what that was, but I just want to say thank you. <laughs> because my daughter is, she's speaking, she's laughed. This has happened. I don't know what that was, but thank you. Okay. So then the following day, I phone my sister. I say, hey, what's news? And she says, actually today, she's not, she doesn't even recognize her mother. She doesn't know who anybody is. And so my heart drops, because I thought, hey, we're on the road here. And it was in that moment that a brother who was with me at the time says, no, Pastor, don't let go of that miracle. Don't let go. We're going to keep believing. Don't let go of the faith. 
And that moment he prayed with me. And we prayed and we, we thanked God for the healing. And the following day on the Monday when I was back in town, I went to go and visit the child. She was up. She was running. She was talking. She was completely restored. I was going to go home that day. So my testimony is threefold. Listen, there's nothing too hard for God, not even a freezer. But I want to say this to you. I would never have gone, probably, maybe I would have, I don't know. The thing that prompted me to go and pray for that little girl is the fact that God healed my freezer. <laughs> and if God was going to heal my freezer, certainly God can heal somebody else. And the third point of this testimony is never discount the encouragement, the correction, the strength, the grace of the body that Jesus has placed you into. Because that, that, that brother who stood next to me and said, no, 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 don't let go. Don't. Keep believing. Yeah. Saw it through to the end. Amen. Now, this is supernatural stuff. Amen. I don't tell you these stories to, to garner glory for myself. Because I'm very humble with you. I can't do these things. I'm sharing with you that the fact that I went was to be driven by my own selfish need to have my freezer fixed. But I want to say to you, these things ought to be a part of our everyday life. There are times when I know God has put an unction in my heart to do things. And as I have done those things, I have seen miraculous things happen. I've seen people healed. I've seen sickness leave. I've seen headaches leave. I've seen limbs grow. None of those things came because I had a whim decided to pray. They came because the unction of the Lord was there. And the unction of the Lord is with you and He is in you. And it is amazing. You will be amazed at what He can do through you if you and I are simply willing to follow and to obey. That's all that God requires of us. He just wants to use your hands to be the ministry. He wants to use your feet to go and communicate love and to be there for somebody. And I want to encourage you today. These things are not fairy tales. And these things are not things that happened back then in the Bible or in the early church. Well, they did happen then. But God is still God today. He is still alive today. And He wants to use you. And I want to close off this morning. I was planning to talk a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit today, but I'm not even going to go there. The thing that we need to settle in our hearts is not God's ability, but the thing we need to settle in our hearts is our availability to Him. And that is what I want to close off and focus on. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.